There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back. I'm Carl Mack. And this is Combat Chronicles. Going to be brisk today because I've got a lot on uh, stuff that I'm working on for the patron. Uh, also, not a huge amount to talk about in terms of real interesting stuff. Bit of boxing, bit of MMA. Um, somewhat of a depressing weekend as well this weekend, but unlike last week's episode, I'm going to try my best to temper uh, sort of how morose I sounded. Looking back, editing that, sorry, listening back and editing that, I was like, fuck me, this is a depressing little episode but unfortunately I will start off with the uh, depressing news of uh, the third fight between uh, Sol Alvarez Canelo and Gennady Golovkin being somewhat of a dud but also just sad to watch Um, I expected this I anticipated this I've been saying it since the fight was made Um, so I'm not an after timer by any means but Gennady Golovkin is not ready at this stage of his career to be fighting someone like Canelo. Um, he's not being able to pull the trigger like he used to. Um, he's more easily flustered. He is easier to back up. And he always was willing to concede ground in fights and then bide his time. But he concedes ground now in a way um, that is not conducive to him consistently winning rounds. And I was not surprised how he looked um, I was surprised he looked this kind of decent um, that's not fair decent is not the right word he was just flat rather than bad I think that's the best way of putting it um, and Canelo this is what's surprising for me Canelo looked flat Canelo looked sort of not interested going through the motions uh, much like he did when he was cut into 154 back in the day he had to take a lot of time off, rounds off he looked like that in this fight and actually this fight ended up uh, devolving into a really kind of messy uh, fight as it went on, Uh, not much action to rhyme about the famous uh, luminaries in the crowd uh, which DAZN kept showing us um, must have thought, fuck me this was crap Um, they were really trying to hype and sell this as a big fight all week and I didn't think anyone seemed to care no one seemed to care Um, it didn't feel like a big fight I think boxing fans are often dumb but in this this instance I think everyone seemed to sort of have a good grasp on this fight 
not being uh, on level with their first two. The first one was a fantastic fight with some great moments and lots of controversy. Will almost certainly go down as, as a classic belt of the era. The second fight for me literally was a classic, an all-time two-way technical uh, classic um, and one of the best fights of the era. Um, so, yeah, I will remember this rivalry for those fights. Um, as I say, the first the first one will go down and pretty much has already gone down as a sort of um, Hagler-Leonard-esque all-time controversial title fight. Interesting parallels as well with the long weight, middleweight title fight, etc. Um, it already seems to have ended the pantheon, is what I'm trying to say. It's an all-time great controversial decision. Um, but it's nice to see this week that some people have taken it upon themselves to re-watch that fight and can see if what it is, a really close nip and tuck affair with some real swing rounds and the only thing that's really controversial was the all-time bad Adelaide Bird scorecard. Speaking of which, two things. First of all, I had a dream last night. No one likes to hear about dreams, but oftentimes with fights, um, if I don't stay up for them, and I certainly wasn't going to stay away for Glovkin uh, Canelo 3, um, I dream that I'm in bed and that I roll over and check boxing scene on my phone, which is weird. It's a very specific thing, which has been happening to me for years, really. Um, I roll over, I read boxing scene in bed and see what the result was and go back to bed. And I read a result that Golovkin had put on a masterclass boxing uh, display, which even in my dream didn't really seem real. But what they did was they had they read out the, the first two scorecards and then they called Adelaide Bird in the ring to read her scorecard and it was like a pro wrestling moment. And she read 120-108 Golovkin and everyone cheered and it was an amazing moment. And obviously when I woke up, for real, I realised that that had not happened. Um, and when I watched the fight, it was certainly not on the zone pay-per-view. Um, I think in America it was extortionately expensive and over here... If you're a subscriber, you got it for like an extra £10 or something. I was not going to do that because A, I'm not a subscriber. And B, I wasn't going to pay for this fight. I got to watch it on the much-lauded uh, fan cam, which I often uh, purport the uh, sort of uh, the, the greatness of or the, the benefits of. And unfortunately, A, the fight wasn't very good. Um, but B, um, the crowd was somewhat obnoxious. Uh, people shouting out, Triple G, Kazakhstan, and people telling him to shut up. One guy called, uh, I think at one point someone called Golovkin, Trip for sure. Which... Gennady, yeah, sure. Triple G, sure. G, even. Trip, mm, yeah, not for me. Um, but I didn't miss much because the fight wasn't very good. Sticking on what I said, uh, about the Adelaide Bird thing. The scorecards for this were horrendous. That, that was the second part of the point I wanted to make. Awful, awful, awful scorecards. Maybe gave Glovkin one or two rounds. Um, wasn't really scoring it myself. Didn't really seem to be any need to. Um, but what does this actually mean for Canelo? Um, going forward is what I'm trying to get at here. And the thing with Canelo is, I'm pretty sure he's, he's still capable of more than this. Maybe he felt Golovkin didn't feel too strong early um, and just you know went through the motions. 
Uh, maybe you know he hasn't been. He, he thought this was going to be a bit of an easier fight, so he maybe hasn't trained as hard. Even though you know we know he's a demon in the gym, but if he's cut corners, maybe he just knows he hasn't got a full thirty-six minutes in him. And uh, because for a fighter, and Golovkin clearly appeared to be a fighter that is not really on the level with some of the guys Canelo has fought recently. Not in terms of ambition, prime athleticism, etc. Canelo seemed to be. Off rhythm, he did not seem to be as sharp as he has in other fights. Even in the Bivol fight, in which he was largely nullified for parts of the contest, he still appeared sharp. Still appeared capable of going through the gears, trying to up the pressure, trying different things. In this, looked like sparring at times. So, has the Bivol fight taken something out of Canelo mentally? Or did it take something out of him physically? Um, has that sort of unwavering confidence he had when he was on that long undefeated run. Uh, you know, Bivol breaking that, shattering that myth, has it made Canelo somewhat cautious? Was it just an off night? Was it just him happy to get back in the win column? Not sure. Uh, it's the kind of thing now where going forward, Canelo was always such a reliable performer and now we really do need to see another fight from him to figure out uh, where he's at, what's going on, and uh, interesting, interesting, uh, a spanner in the works that I wasn't expecting, so we could have a massive shift in the sort of pound for pound landscape sometime soon, Usyk, um, you know, he's going to be like 35, 36 soon, probably going into the last sort of the home stretch of his own career, Canelo is what, 34, 33? Either way, um, not everyone is able to go on at a high level into their 40s. Well, I'm sure Canelo could. I mean, I'm just talking about, you know, top, top, pound for pound operator as he was. Um, he's been fighting a very long time. You know, we're coming up to, in a couple of years' time, he would have had a 20-year pro career. You know, it's crazy. Um, wasn't the Mayweather fight already, like, a fucking decade ago? He was really young then, but you know, he has had a full career. The idea that Canelo is just going to continue his march on this uh, sort of uninterrupted prime, uh, well, that's clearly not the case now anyway, but the fact that, you know, Bivol's a bad night, bad style, he'll get back on the horse. I, I, I don't think he should rematch Bivol. I don't think he's got it in him to, to overcome that, that sort of stylistic challenge. You can see why he didn't want to fight Baturbiev. I think what's interesting is narratively I think people said well if you think he was picking an easy fight with an undefeated champion and Bivol I don't know what you, you, you were watching he was picking the easier fight not an easy fight sure but an easier fight and given and this is what I said about the um, Bivol Canelo fight when it happened we saw things from Bivol that we hadn't really seen consistently over 12 rounds if you'd watched his previous title fights, there was clearly an avenue to beating him or an avenue to see that he was not the full uh, ticket, really. Um, he had things that he did well that he was not able to put together uh, consistently. He had there were moments he had laps of concentration, took rounds off, and you would think, yeah, I could see why Canelo would want this fight. When he put it all together, suddenly you go, fuck me, yeah, that's a fighter. That is tailor-made to beat Canelo. Didn't look like that going into it. Some guys, very rare few, said, you know what, I'm willing to go out of the limb and say, 
I think Bivol fights to the level of his opposition and can put it all together. Um, I'm very rarely uh, willing to make those sort of concessions. I like to go with what I've seen and the evidence and had not seen it from Bivol. I was proven wrong. I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, I'll continue to go with evidence-based uh, analysis and uh, the evidence on Canelo is I need to see a bit more from him because I'm not really sure where he's at right now. Not based on... Um, you know, I'm not just... What I'm willing... Not what I'm not willing to say is he treated Golovkin with too much reverence. Mm, I think he would have been very happy to have been the first person to stop Golovkin if he could have done, um, regardless of the respect. So, speaking of Golovkin, looks to be the end of his career. Um, this is talk quickly about what I think his legacy is um, and some of the things that have been said about him over the years. I remember Douglas Fisher of the ring saying that you know he's one of the greatest middleweight champions of all time. He's close to either equaling or bettering Carlos Monzon's uh, title defence record, etc., etc. It's all baloney. Never won the legitimate middleweight championship, the lineal championship, which the lineage was unbroken uh, for a long time, uh, encompassing some fantastic champions. So don't tell me. Uh, yes, he was avoided. That's a fact. That shit happens. He's, Harry Greb was avoided, but... His middleweight title reign really started when he fought Johnny Wilson. Okay, that's a fact. We can't give, you know, treat people differently. Golovkin was, Golovkin probably would have won the title, and he, he definitely would have won the title if he'd fought the same Sergio Martinez that Martin Murray fought, or if he'd got to uh, Miguel Cotto before Canelo did. That's a fact. Okay, but it didn't happen, so I can't give him credit for it. Um, should he have won the lineal championship in the first fight with Canelo? As I say, it's a pick'em, but that certainly showed that he was tit-for-tat with the number one middleweight in the world. So, yes, Golovkin was clearly an elite operator. But in terms of legacy, middleweight legacy, that's important to uh, to define this conversation as middleweight legacy. Okay? A very deep division historically with lots of great champions. Uh, Golovkin would not scratch my top 50, I don't imagine. Um, in terms of head-to-head, -head, clearly a fantastic fighter. Uh, lots of great tricks in his bag. Fantastic jab. Massive concuss uh, concussive puncher with both hands. And if he retires now, which I hope he does, Golovkin will go down as one of the great iron men in the history of boxing. Surely one of the toughest, most durable uh, fighters we've ever seen. And in 10, 15 years' time, hey, probably in 10 days' time, and probably already, if you were to ask someone to draw up a list of the greatest chins of all time, Gennady Golovkin would clearly be on that list so he has a legacy absolutely will be, will be remembered fondly I'm sure um, all time great not for me uh, one young boxer who's getting a lot of plaudits right now and building his own legacy is uh, Bam Rodriguez and I woke up this morning and saw that he'd been getting a lot of stick online um, at the end of the day he's fought three times this year now um, Israel Gonzalez his opponent is seasoned he's fought many top calibre opponents um, and yeah I have no idea why everyone's given Rodriguez stick a competitive fight in which he pulled out some dirty tactics whatever I like to see a bit of seasoning from a young early 20s kid um, thought not in his usual way um, seemed to be going through the motions um, heard the commentary on zone say that um, and I did watch the zone broadcast uh, for this one Um Say that basically he was he didn't really want the fight. He wanted to sort of see out the year. 
I imagine he's got his eyes on the Chocolatito Estrada uh, rubber match. You can you can bet your bottom dollar that he will be front and centre ringside for that one. It's one of the few big fights the zone has got to make. Uh, a that rubber match and B uh, Bam versus the winner. So yeah, things are still looking up for him. Um, sort of a lot of high guard forward motion work from him. Uh, just sort of, I guess I going for the motions. Um, Israel Gonzalez just completely fought out of his skin. Was able to pressure uh, Rodriguez a lot. Um, what's interesting is I kind of thought that Bam Rodriguez was on this trajectory of what we've seen a lot of times, which is young fighter comes through the ranks. All the veterans are taking uh, you know years off each other, and he just carves through them. Um, watching this fight, there is clearly an avenue for Gonzalez, Roman Gonzalez, that is, Chocolatito, to defeat him. There's clearly an avenue for Estrada to be too canny for him. So, that also, this fight in a way makes that more interesting for me. It makes it more interesting because now I don't just think he's going to cut through these guys and just be too quick of hand and foot from as so many younger fighters are for battle uh, worn and uh, battle tested uh, veterans. But this was a, a relatively mediocre performance from Bam I'm not saying it wasn't um, but it's kind of you know, you know saying that he's now been exposed all that sort of stuff it's fine he had a competitive fight it happens against a guy who's fought actually if you if you think about it he's fought a higher level opposition than Bam has throughout his career really do you know what I mean so seasoned guy fought in a couple of title fights um, Bam has kind of had a meteoric ascension through the ranks. Shot probably shouldn't have even be at one one five. I've made this case before. He was on my list of hot prospects for one hundred eight pounds. Took a fight with Carlos Quadras at late notice. Won a you know vacant WBC or whatever it was, uh, and is now um, you know plying his, his trade there and 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 has put forth some really good performances. Beat Strisket Saul Rungwisai in really impressive fashion. That wasn't even very long ago. Um, what was that? Three months ago, um, yeah, three months, not even three months ago. So, to write the kid off, come on now, are we going to forget the impressive stuff we've seen from him so far this year? If nothing else, yeah, it wasn't his best performance, but it showed us he can win fighting in a different kind of way, do you know what I mean? This was quite uh, pretty rote work from him, in my opinion. Not his best stuff, but he won, in my opinion, by a couple of rounds, whatever. Um, we got to see him again, he's fought three times this year against fighters that if you follow these weight classes you will know all of them and um, yeah it hasn't been dropped hasn't been badly hurt um, this one was just more workman like from him so it's obvious going to be you know next May um, he's going to be fighting the winner of Gonzalez and Estrada 3 so something to look forward to and uh, not writing him off by any means as I say fleet and visit today not going to go too much into the UFC it's going to look at uh uh, Song Yudong versus Corey Sanhagen but before I do um, obviously an important pivotal fight at Bantamweight if you want to hear about other brilliant Bantamweights from the past be sure to sign up to the Patreon www.patreon.com slash Combat Chronicles still working on it we've got a little audio documentary coming out about Miguel Torres fantastic WEC champion uh, and in my opinion the first great Bantamweight so that's coming soon and in October, of course, you're going to get the scans of the Pride material, the on-site program, and the first edition of the Guide to Pride. This is probably the biggest undertaking I've ever done in my full career of combat punditry, be it magazine articles, online stuff, podcasts, whatever. The Guide to Pride 1 
is going to be the biggest thing I've ever undertaken. Still not finished because I am waiting on Japanese uh, materials to be translated, which I've paid for out of my own pocket. So essentially, um, the Patreon at the moment is is a loss. So if you can tell your friends that they might enjoy the content, uh, get them to sign up for the Guide to Pride uh, for next month or this Miguel uh, Torres documentary. I can start to sort of uh, reaccumulate the money I've spent uh, to make this episode so good for you guys because I think it's going to be uh, really fun and um, hopefully we'll shed a light on the early goings of Pride and in some re- in some ways the early goings of MMA in a way that maybe a lot of Western media hasn't necessarily touched before so look forward to that uh, so UFC Fight Night Sanhagen versus Song uh, September 17th last night as of recording um, I know people are going to say Gives a full card rundown. There's loads on there that was interesting. Um, yeah, watch Robocop's fight, obviously. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, guys. I, I know there's a lot of you young kids out there that find, you know, Loma look with me and Julian uh, Robertson and I don't know. Well, I guess I'd like Andre Feely and I like those guys. I'm not saying I don't like them. But there are other people out there doing card by card, uh, sorry, fight by fight rundowns of cards that were willing willing to talk about them in terms of big narratives and interesting stuff to talk about in terms of storylines um, there's just not really much there um, obviously heart goes out to Loma look with me for her post fight comments about how she's struggling that's, that's horrendous you know to hear that she's going through that and so brave um, that she'd be willing to come out but yeah you know th- th- these guys do some interesting things in the cage but generally uh, you know sort of from a title fight standpoint or just from a sort of future fight standpoint, not really much going on interesting there, or nothing new, that's the way to put it. It's not really anything for me to really talk about, and the heavy stuff about, you know, obviously mental health issues. I've spoken out before on my Twitter and stuff about that kind of thing. Um, I told you last week was a really morose episode, don't really want to get bogged down on it here, I'm sure other people will. Um, other podcasts are available. But the fight I do want to talk about, Corey Sanhagen versus Song Yudong, Violence weight has often been seen as sort of 155 to 170. And Sanhagen isn't really a massively concussive striker. But I think we have to... I'll start campaigning Kaposa. Because I think Corey Sanhagen is clearly one of the most violent people in the sport. And and Song Yadong is as well. So made for a fun fight. Somewhat one-sided affair. Um, I thought it was unfair on Corey anyway to have to be fighting down the rankings. Because he's... He's a quality fighter, and um, there's there's plenty of quality fights at 135. Um, seems that kind of they've got this kind of thing where 135 is so stacked at the moment. They kind of put like Piotr Yan against Sean O'Malley, San Hagen versus Song Yadong. It's kind of like right, let's see. It's almost like crossroads fights in a way. You know, are these prospects ready to go? Are these going to be our next title challenges? Or are these guys that are already up there, are they still the next guys in line? And UFC's kind of trying to inject new blood. bit too fast and a bit too soon, in my opinion. Certainly with Piotr Jan and Sean O'Malley, I'm anticipating a massacre. That would be no surprise to anyone. I'm sure everyone's going to be thinking exactly the same way. I'm no visionary for that. But Song Yudong does some excellent stuff. Um, you know, Physically, he's just got it all. He's ludicrously durable. Um, he's just such a tough kid. Um, he's still young, really fast, um, just seems like a pretty good athlete, really. Um, no surprise that he's working at Team Alpha Male. They've always been sort of athletes first that have then nut 
put sort of nuts and bolts onto their game and sort of tried to build a uh, sort of functional all-round game off of that. Um, you know, he's more of a sort of power striker um, in that regard. Um, not really uh, seeing the fruits of his labour in terms of working with a team that are well-known submission threats. Not really seen that yet. I'd like to see that. Um, in my opinion, he's still not a great uh, wrestler, but very good at sort of anti-wrestling, like that aspect uh, from him. Corey Sanhagen, though, just sort of knew how to put him in his box. Um, not without uh, peril, because he was clipped uh, a couple of times and, and seemed visibly rocked on one of them. But he's a durable guy, Sanhagen, and great powers of recovery, as we know. But what he did was he was able to um, anticipate Yudong's forward movement, catch him, and then step out either side, keep him turning, keep him following, negate his pressure fighting ability, um, and also give him less opportunities to counter. And then what he'd do is he'd lean on him against the cage, didn't have any success or anything, but just put him back in his box, stop him exploding, stop him uh, trying to find opportunities for his counter shots. And just basically with Song Yudong, you've got to limit the amount of times you're stood in front of him and limit the amount of time you give him to counter you. If you just crack him and get out, Kyler Phillips did this to an extent as well, if you just sort of crack him and get out, don't have prolonged exchanges with him, you you basically just nullify what he's, uh, his physical attributes, which as I say, really fast trigger, um, able to sort of bang it out in the pocket because he's just so durable. Um, and yeah, just like, you know, he is just ludicrously powerful, it seems. Um, so... I think Corey Sanhagen fought really well. It was pretty much one-sided, but what I liked about it, and I do want to touch on it, because Corey didn't really show us anything really new. Um, he's as good as we thought. As I said, this is the kind of match-up it was. Is he as good as we thought, or is this new guy going to be the one to take his spot in the rankings and really freshen up the top five or 135 in a division that's really deep, and you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, so Corey, he did his thing. But what I liked about Song Yudong is he's absolutely... Like destroyed facially, there's blood everywhere, right? He should be easily demoralised. Even in the fourth round, when he can barely see, I saw him sort of using uh, and uh, reflexive head movement to slip four or five shots in a row. And I thought, yeah, this kid's got it. This is a learning fight. This is a fight in which he loses no credit for because I say he's fighting up in the rankings. Valiant effort um, had his moments. Few and far between, admittedly. Um, and I think, you know, essentially he got outsmarted and outfought by someone who's just way more experienced than he is um, and has physical advantages himself. He's a long boy. Um, I think that's one thing that Song really didn't manage to do too much of, which is body attacking. As I say, I think he was sort of his, his fast trigger was uh, sort of put off somewhat by the fact that San Hagen was in and out left and right, uh, and then was able to nullify him uh, in, in grappling moments. But there's nothing to lose credit from in this fight for Song Yudong. I think he's shown that he's really close to that level. Uh, and it could have been, if it wasn't Corey, there might have been another top five band of weight he was able to beat. Certainly not Marlon Vera, though, um, if you remember that one. But um, fun fight. Not a great fight by any means. Um, but, you know... An interesting fight for sure, and well worth a watch. Um, last week I did a kind of uh, watch now, watch later for completionists only. 
the most of this card is for completionists only. Uh, but for Corey Sanhagen versus Song Yudong, as soon as this podcast is over, if you haven't watched it, just stop what you're doing and watch it immediately because it was a really, really uh, intriguing fight between two guys who, in my opinion, one of them's you're definitely elite in Sanhagen. I don't think he's... I'm, I'm still not... I'm still sat on the fence in regards to his title aspirations at 135. I do think there's a cup. The two best guys in the division are clearly above him. He's lost to both of them, clearly, in my opinion. I still will never understand why people thought the... Uh, I understand why people loved the fight with Piotr Jan, but I never really understand why people thought it was close and competitive. It was like a 4-1 kind of fight. It was competitive throughout, but it was not close. That's the best way of putting it. Fight of the year, it was not. Um, as a heel, I'm willing to die on. I know a lot of my mates disagree with me. Hey, look, we've got to have different opinions and, and it's fun to, fun to have them. Um, and Aljamain Sterling just trounced him. Um, and I'd love to see... That's probably more intriguing to see if Corey can completely uh, get deviate from, from that first fight in which he was just grounded, back-taken, finished, easy. Um, it was like one of Aljo's easiest fights against a fighter who should have been... Um, even if you don't think stylistically he should have been challenging, um, even at that point, Corey was just a dangerous and uh, top-quality fighter. So I'm on the fence of his title aspirations, certainly not on the fence, uh, on the fences for him as an elite bantamweight. Uh, probably a lot of divisions, he'd be champion and, and a great one. But um, as I've said many times before on this podcast, 135 is deep enough in the UFC, but it's, it's, it's just as deep worldwide. A fantastic division, a true golden era for the weight class. Maybe the best golden era for any weight class, dare I say it. I really do think the banner weight is incredible right now. Um, so, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I'm sure there's been some 155 eras that'll be better, no doubt. But, as I said, last week was morose. This week we're going for, for sort of hyperbolic enthusiasm. And uh, let's end on a high note. Uh, and let's end on the note of the incredible uh, music which ends it, which I'm sure people love to hear from uh, Valley Tudo uh, 95. Uh, what an event. And uh, that will be featuring again in the Guide to Pride as I sort of tried to tell the tale of Hicks and Gracie versus Takada. Um, a fight which is really interesting that I'm writing so much on because it's essentially a squash match between a legit pound-for-pound pound fighter and a pro wrestler. If that doesn't whet your appetite for the Guide to Pride 1, I don't know what will. Head on over to www.patreon.com slash combat chronicles. And of course, you've got access to all the other stuff I've already done on there. But I hope you can see I'm trying to get better on this uh, in terms of production values, in terms of topics, in terms of delivery. I hope last week's depressing episode uh, sort of didn't put you off. I guess it didn't, because you're listening to this. So, hope you enjoyed this one. As I say, only brief, because I've got shit to do. Speak to you soon. Will there be a free episode next week? I really don't know. Sign up to the Patreon. You'll definitely get content. Until that content drops, hit me up on uh, over on Twitter, at CombatCR. Post little highlights, little historical things, uh, sort of primary sources from back in the day, things that are interesting to fight fans, uh, little bits of analysis here and there. But, you know, I'm just willing to chat. Hit me up. Let's have, a, let's have a talk about fighting. That's what we're all here for. Uh, and I don't know if there's going to be a free one next week, as I say, but if you definitely want to hear from me, find me over on Twitter or on Patreon. Take care. Have a good week, wherever you are. And, uh, of course, uh, God save the king. I'm joking. I, I can not give a fuck about that shit. Oh, 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 oh,
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.